Welcome to the HR Tech Spotlight Podcast. I'm Deanna Shimoda, CEO of Growth Mode Marketing. The HR technology market is crowded, and we know it can be hard to find the best software solutions for your business in the sea of sameness. On this podcast, we shine a spotlight on some of the best up-and-coming technology options out there. Check it out if you are interested in learning about new innovative solutions available in the market. And if you are with an HR tech company and interested in being considered for a guest spot, stay tuned for details at the end of the show. Hello and welcome to the HR Tech Spotlight. My guest today is Jordan Peace, co-founder and CEO of Fringe, the world's first well-being marketplace for lifestyle benefits, recognition, stipends, and more. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, we're excited to talk about Fringe and learn a little bit more, but tell me about your background in the HR tech space. Uh, well, uh, to be honest with you, Found and Fringe was kind of the beginning of being directly in the HR tech space. So I've been doing that for about five years. Um, prior to that, I owned a financial planning company with my one of my co-founders, Jason Murray, with Fringe. He he founded another company with me prior to that. Um, and so, you know, being in the finance industry was sort of where the idea for Fringe came up, um, and I can tell that origin story if that's something you want me to jump into at this point. Yeah, we'd love to know the story behind your company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so in, let me think, in 2013, I jumped into Northwestern Mutual, which is a financial planning company, originally just a life insurance company that kind of morphed into financial planning over the course of like 100 years. Um Enjoyed that, learned a lot, um, you know, was serving a lot of clients, mostly in the kind of Gen X and Gen Y generations. And some of the realizations I had, other than the fact that people have no idea what stocks or bonds are, um, is that they typically don't understand their traditional benefits either. Um, and and especially when you're 25 or 30 and you're bulletproof and you're never going to get sick or die anyway, you not you don't really care about your health insurance or your life insurance and things of that nature. Um, and so through working with just hundreds of people over the course of many years, I kind of came to the realization that people don't really understand their benefits. And as a result of that, they probably don't really appreciate them. And the entire point of offering benefits in the first place is to kind of engender loyalty and goodwill from your employees to want to stay and to work there and be happy and recruit their friends. Right. But if they don't appreciate their benefits, then what are we doing with all these benefits? Uh, other than maybe trying to keep them healthy so that they can work, right? Uh, which is not the most motivating message to send. Um, and so I thought, well, what if there were benefits that met needs in people's lives every day? You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be dead. You don't have to be disabled. You don't have to be 65 years old. You could benefit from lifestyle benefits every single day. And so Fringe came from that idea. And eventually we built this marketplace of services that, like I said, meet those needs, DoorDash, Spotify, you know, massage services, childcare services, whatever the case may be, that meet daily needs. And that's been a, um, that sparked a big change in the benefits industry. And uh, we're just kind of enjoying the ride at this point. So I understand Fringe has hundreds of well-being and lifestyle services that are intelligently yeah. designed to drive business outcomes and employee well-being. Tell us a bit more about that. 
Yeah. So when we first started, we said, you know, what do we want the the vendors or the brands on our marketplace to do for the end user? Like, what are the the filters through which we decide should this be on our marketplace or should it not? Right. And what we said is these things need to do at least one of the following. They need to give people time back in their day. They need to reduce stress. They need to positively impact their family or it needs to spark joy in some kind of way. Right. And those are kind of our four filters that we look at. And so when I think about um, when I think about a massage service, for example, I think, well, not only does that relieve stress in a serious way, right, perhaps it impacts the family because you're giving that massage over to a spouse. Right. Um, and and certainly sparks joy. Um, but also when I think about um student loan repayment services, which we also have on our marketplace. That's another big stress reliever. And if employers can help do that for their employees, that, like I said, that in, engenders a ton of goodwill and loyalty. And so that's that's kind of our mentality as we build the marketplace is, yes, our buyer is the employer, but who we serve is really the employee. That's who we're concerned with when we think about what services should exist on Fringe is really the end user and their employee experience. So when you look at what you offer, it really is goes well beyond what you traditionally see for benefits, right? I'd say very far beyond, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that anyone had the notion, uh, except for maybe some individual companies, uh, to give people Spotify or Hulu or you know other streaming services as a benefit, right? Um, that's really far. Um, but but I think what what's been made really clear is that you can spend very little money and have a huge kind of perceived value to your employee, or you can spend a ton of money on traditional benefits, which I'm not saying companies shouldn't. People need their health insurance, right? But you're spending a ton of money to get a very small amount of perceived value, right? So we're trying to flip that paradigm on its head and make sure that employees are really feeling the love and feeling valued. What do you think is the biggest challenge or problem that you see facing HR departments today? Oh, it's a lack of decision-making authority. <laughs> no question. No question in my mind. It's, it's, that is the biggest problem you've got. I think in HR, uh, and if I, I'm speaking a little bit in stereotypes, but if you think historically about HR, and even today in very small companies, you typically didn't in the past, not talking about the present, but in the past, you didn't have people particularly trained in this particular area, right? You had somebody very administrative, great multitasker, good communicator, right? Someone that could kind of care for everyone, right? In, the, in a kind of a nurturing way. And you put that person in place and they just sort of figured it out as they went along, right? And now you have more professionals, you have people trained in this area, this is what they study, this is what they know. And I think we're still treating HR people like they are not trustworthy, not trained, that people that really can't make decisions for themselves. And I think that that's a tragedy for employees and for employers. Um, and I think CFOs need to just loosen their hands a little bit around around the budget and around <laughs> the decision-making authority and say, hey, this person that knows their stuff, that this is what you do professionally, you have the authority to go out and decide what programs we offer and, you know, and, and the things of that nature, what softwares we use. Um, and some companies do an okay job of that. I think that the transition to the word chief people officer 
Um, I've seen that be an indicator um, that perhaps more authority has been given to this person that's the HR lead. Um, not always, though. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. I meet such talented people in the HR space that know their employees well, that care for their employees well, and then they're just frustrated constantly with this lack of authority and this lack of ability to just go and move on their own authority. I'd love to see that change. HR people have absolutely have a tough job. I mean, and the bigger the organization, I think the bigger the problems, right? Like I've sat in a CEO group and listened to CEOs talk about all of the different people challenges they have across different industries. And it's, I think as a, as an employee who's not in HR, there's a lot that happens sometimes with individual employees that you just don't know about, you know, with their personal lives, performance, all those things. And you throw in the last few years, it hasn't been easy to be in HR, I can imagine, because there have been a lot of challenges thrown their way. And they've had to get really innovative, like, how do we retain the employees that we have? And how do we figure out how to make this culture work in a remote or hybrid situation? And, you know, the list goes on and on of all the challenges yeah. they've had to face. And it's not getting easier. No, it's not. It's not. And and I think, uh, you know, to, to your point, when there's no clear person in an organization to handle a certain problem, it gets dumped on HR, right? Yeah. It, it's like, well, it's, <laughs> sales is not going to pick up the slack, right? Like Operations is probably not, or, or the product team or whatever, like they're, they're not going to jump into this interpersonal issue, right? Um, it's that's going to HR and they didn't plan for that. They didn't expect that. They didn't have time in their day for that thing. And all of a sudden their entire day is dominated with some conflict that they're expected to solve, right? right. They got to do their regular job too. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, it's, uh, it's like being a, uh, full-time teacher in the, in the school and being the guidance counselor at the same time. It's just like that. That's insane. You can't do both of those. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's probably very exhausting to have yeah, to fit yeah. that role. So they definitely, they definitely bear the brunt of, of a lot of issues that aren't necessarily in the job description. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So going back to fringe and thinking about how challenging the HR role is, you know, what is the unique point of view for Fringe? How do you make life easier for your HR departments? Yeah. Well, I think there's two, there's two things we have to overcome. Well, no, there's three, there's three. One is they're typically managing a lot of vendors. Um, vendor management has become a huge part of the HR, the HR role, which is kind of crazy uh, because, you know, rewind 30 years ago, like, HR people aren't managing software vendors like that's that's a completely new category for them. And yet you got to have one for, like I mentioned earlier, maybe for your student loan repayment, for your rewards and recognition, for your wellness, for your child care, for your et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the larger the company, the more pieces of software you have. So you got all this vendor management happening. Then you have all this administrative load, which has something to do with the vendor management, but also just all the rigors of the HR role to begin with and all the interpersonal things to pop up like we discussed, right? So you've got that going on. And then you've got your lack of sort of positional authority traditionally, where they get all these things they need to decide and they always have to go up the chain and ask permission to somebody to, hey, can I spend this money? Can we do this? Can we change vendors? Can we can't, can we, can we, can we? 
And so they've become salespeople. So they got to go sell whatever is being sold to them to someone else to get a yes in order to actually do the thing, right? So we, we try to solve those problems as much as possible. So I'll start with the vendor management. We've aggregated wellness, rewards and recognition, student loan repayment, charitable giving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, into one platform. So those they can say goodbye to five or six different vendors and just use one, one contract, one point of contact, right? That is sort of simplified administration for them as much as we can do, as much as we can do for them. Um, and then the other side of the coin is is that salesmanship. We we know going in that we're not selling HR and only HR. We got two sales to do, right? And in one, we're the front person selling our product. And then the other, we're backstage, right? And and we're giving them the lines and we're giving them the words and we're teaching them the choreography. And we're going, hey, here's everything you need to say, everything you need to know. Here, here's what you need to do to get this thing sold up so that we can do it, right? Um, and so that consultative ability to help help HR people do that, that's been an absolute requirement for us to be successful when we realized that pretty early on. Um, and so that's what we try. We try to simplify administration, aggregate as many things together as we possibly can, and then just have the lowest lift admin product ever. Just sign up and then don't worry about it. <laughs> we got it. Just make sure you fund the thing. We'll communicate to your people, to the vendors. We'll we'll solve their problems when when problems arise, which they will. Um, no one should ever be contacting you. They should be contacting us, right? Um, and so the, I think that's the thing that we've probably gotten the most feedback on, where we've had HR people just, you know, our points of contact just email us and be like, "I've never gotten thank yous before. This is amazing. I, I had like five people thank me in the last two weeks for rolling out this thing." where I'm paying a fraction of what I'm paying for their health insurance and no one has ever thanked me for it. You know, so it's like, it's, it's, I think it's just provides a win in their job, you know, and they, they feel good. They feel like they took care of everybody and, and they, and they had somebody help them with that really challenging thing of having to go get permission, you know. Who is the perfect fit for your solution? Hmm. I always say high culture companies, right? So they could be small, they could be enterprise, they could be anything in between. And we have all of those as clients. So we've found that size is not very important um, for us because small companies like it because they're able to kind of up-level their benefit offering in one go, which is kind of cool. And large companies like it because they're able to condense down into one thing from five or six or seven different vendors. So it doesn't really matter the size, but in order to give away lifestyle benefits to people to pay, and not every company does this, but to pay a stipend every month to allow people to choose benefits and services that meet needs in their lives, that's a generous proposition. It's not It's not a cheap thing to do. You know, you're, you're going to give your people a serious amount of money to to use on this stuff, right? Uh, even if you're just doing rewards or recognition with us or, or some other program, it's it's just not it's not free. It's not just a piece of software. You got to fund benefits. Right. So that's that's been the biggest challenge for us in sort of going to market is is that if companies don't care about their people, they don't really care about the people. They just sort of pay lip service to caring about their people. 
they they probably don't want to do fringe because it's like, well, that's that's a big commitment, you know, <laughs> like that's that's really generous, yeah. right? But if you but if they get into it and we can show them the numbers and show them what their generosity does in terms of retention, in terms of recruiting referrals and all the things that come out from that generosity, because they're again, they're engendering loyalty, um, then it's like, oh, it's a no brainer. It's it's you know, I'd, I'd pay whatever it costs because I'm, I'm actually saving a whole bunch of money not having to replace people and having to pay recruiters to go out there and find people because my people are recruiting their friends and family right and left, right? Because they feel taken care of, you know? Um, so any, any company, to answer your question directly, any company that really, truly cares about their people, they're a perfect client for us. They're like, we just, we get there culturally right away and become really good partners. Um, is there a minimum number of employees you'd recommend? No, um, I really the only difference is if a really small company, um, just for kind of reasons of scale, uh, we don't have them speak to an account executive like right away. You know, we have them go through sort of more of a self-serve process. But the end result is the same product with the same service. With the, You know what I mean? They can get everything yeah. that a larger company can get. Um, it's just there's a little bit more self-serve in terms of the onboarding. Okay. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the impact that organizations have when they implement fringe. Let's dig a little deeper into that. Like what kind of results are organizations seeing? Yeah. Um, so some of it is, has to do with recruiting and retention, like I mentioned. So we can, we can show it, as long as they're willing to share their data and give us a baseline, obviously, we can show them that fringe is impacting their retention numbers and also impacting their, re their recruiting referrals. And why I keep talking about that is because re re recruiting referrals are free, right? You're not paying your people to go, hey, my buddy from college does such and such and he's great at it and we should hire him. Doesn't cost you a dime, right? Those people are likely to be cultural fits because the person in your company is good friends with that person. And therefore, they probably have similar values, right? Or core values, at least. So that works, right? And all of that saves you time, saves you money. Um, and the other thing is we do surveys. So we actually ask the users, like, what is this doing for your life? What is this doing for your health? What is this doing for your family? What is this doing for your likelihood to recommend your employer to another sort of a sort of a um uh, what's the what's the acronym um like an nps score like an employer nps score right um and you know so we're able to give both anecdotal feedback and numerical feedback where people are like oh i'm 22 percent more loyal to my company over the last year or or anecdotal feedback like this helped me as a single mom because i didn't have to go out and do such and such because I had this childcare service available to me through the employer and that helped. You know what I mean? So there's all this feedback and stories that we're able to give that I think do more than justify the decision for those HR leaders that that need kind of perpetual proof points to take upstream to go, see, <laughs> this is working. See, people love it, <laughs> right? Um, so we make sure to provide a ton of that because uh, we know how vital that is. What is the future vision for Fringe? Gosh, whew, I could talk for half an hour on that question. Um, <laughs> so if you think about what Fringe is today, um, we call it a we call it a well-being platform, right? We used to call it a lifestyle benefits platform. 
Um, but I think the word well-being has um, sort of stood out to our buyer and even those that use the platform is, well, that, that's sort of the ultimate outcome here. That's what I want. I want my people to be well, right? Um, and I want to utilize whether it's lifestyle benefits or rewards or recognition or whatever the case may be to produce that well-being, right? Um, and so that's what we are today. But if you look at the software itself, it's really, it's kind of an e-commerce platform that has a bunch of service level, you know, service vendors in it. And you're getting a currency from your employer, which we creatively call fringe points. Um, and you use those points to purchase things, right? And then when you don't have any points left, you can then take your credit card and you can purchase things yourself. Um, and so that that second part, that using your own credit card, buying your own things, that's the part that we're focused on right now. We want Fringe to be a place that even, you know, if you stay with your employer forever, great, you can use it. But if you leave your employer, we want people to leave with their Fringe account and stick around and continue to get value out of the platform because we offer whatever it is we offer, rebates, discounts, you know, uh, combining products together, bundles, you know, whatever the case may be, we're working on that. We're figuring all that stuff out now so that we can be more intrinsically valuable to the end user, whether or not they have employer funding available to them to, to pay for the services on the marketplace. Um, and if we nail that, then you can imagine all the things that you could do with a marketplace like that, right? We've, we've had some credit card companies reach out and say, hey, we would love to use your platform platform as our reward system. So people earn points by using their Amex card. We want them to be able to go on your platform, right? And get Netflix or Spotify or whatever, as opposed to getting some cheap blender they're going to throw away or whatever it is <laughs> that you can get on reward marketplaces now, right? Um, so there's all these use cases. Um, any Anything with a membership is interested, like, uh, like gym networks and apartment complex networks and all of that are like, oh, this would be a great way to provide kind of like a benefit for our members, right? Um, and so there's there's years and years more of things to expand this concept to, but I think we're passionate first and foremost about the employee employee employer relationship and strengthening that and building that loyalty and building that longevity because I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to jump from job to job in your first, say, five years out of school you know, you're here, you're there, you're learning who you are, you're learning what type of company you're kind of you're dating, right? You're kind of dating companies <laughs> is what you're doing, right? But eventually, you kind of want to settle down. And I want to make sure that employers have the tools that when a when a, you know, a really talented, say 25 year old or 35 year old, maybe they haven't settled down, finds them that they go, ah, this is home. This place gets me this place takes care of me. I've seen what not being taken care of is like, and now I know what this looks like, and I want to be here, you know? And that's what I'm really passionate about, is getting helping people find that home uh, with an employer. And that helps the employee and it helps the employer, right, to have a sense of, like, stability and, like, this is a known thing and I'm going to do this. Uh, and I feel good about it. I feel aligned with the mission. I feel taken care of. My family's on board. You know, um, and I think that's why it's so important when I talk about impacting the family. It's so important that benefits reach the family. So, Jordan, what things should someone purchasing this type of technology platform take into consideration as they evaluate their options? 
Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, sitting here in the middle of 2023, I feel like everything's about budget, right? Like it's it's a big struggle right now for people to find budget to add any sort of programs, new spend whatsoever. And so, you know, I, I would I would say probably what people would already assume is you need to go count the money. That's the first thing you need to do is go, where are we spending money on our employees in any sort of non-traditional benefit method? Are we giving them 50 bucks a week for a lunch stipend? Are we spending money on a wellness incentive platform? Are we spending money on a rewards and recognition platform? Are we doing birthday gifts? Are we doing anniversary gifts for them? Are we doing like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What is all the money that we're spending on our people that's not insurance, essentially, and salary, you know? All of that money can go to Fringe and we can cover all those programs all of those things, all of the those gifts, all of the like all of that can be done on fringe um, very easily, very smoothly, like in one place. And so I, I would say know know what money you have before we even talk, because otherwise you're going to get really excited when you see the platform and you think, oh, this is so beautiful. My people are going to love it and yada, yada, yada. And then it's like, but what can you spend? Uh, well, nothing, but it's pretty, you know, <laughs> Like it's that's not enough. Like you got to come with some budget and like know it. And, you know, and obviously people don't often come with budget. They're just sort of curious. And so we help walk through that and help them discover where the money is. And that we're happy to do that, obviously. Um, but I just I just feel like these days, you know, you got to have, have a keen sense of where the money is. And, and I think people... What, what, how we catch people off guard is that they don't expect our platform to do so many things, right? They're like, oh, it's this cool like wellness thing. So they go on and they expect like a traditional like wellness platform and like do your steps and then, you you know, we'll give you a blender or whatever. They don't expect what they're seeing, right? And so they didn't really think like, oh, there's budget I can put on this, right? Until they see it. And then they typically go back and they go, oh, oh, so like, all that charitable giving stuff we do, all that student loan stuff we do, all the, like all of that can go here. And it's like, yeah, you know, like you can do all of that here. Um, and so that I think that's the biggest thing. And then the other thing would be just, you know, I think it's kind of obvious, but like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what do you want to get from a program like this? Because I don't, one thing that is tiresome, honestly, that I, I I'm kind of tired of hearing about is people are just trying to keep up with the Joneses. They're like, oh, where well, our competitors started doing this, so we're going to do it. I'm like, really? Like, that's as much thought <laughs> as was put in, you know? <laughs> like, And you know that some executive going like, oh, our competitor got it. Like, you need to go get one too, right? right? And that's, that's the executive's fault, right? <laughs> like, that's who I'm blaming here. But like, I would encourage the HR person that actually tasked with doing it to, if, if the executive doesn't have one, formulate your own vision for why other than just keep up with the Joneses, right? And then I think that'll really help you identify what type of software you want and what you want that software to do, right? Um, as opposed to kind of like, well, I was told to do this, so I'm going to go look at five of them. And then whoever has the best integrations or whoever has the best something, right? Then I'll just pick that. I think that's a sub suboptimal way to select you know, a piece of software for your company um, and to select programs and things of that nature. So I would just say establish a vision, know where the budget is, and then and then come and talk to us and three others. Right. And, and figure it out, you know.
Speaking of budget, so, you know, I happened to see a press release where I think it said, you know, what the cost per user was per month, and it was actually quite low. Mm -hmm. But obviously, there's the added expense of paying for the actual, you know, benefits that someone's choosing. What do you typically see or recommend for a budget on an annual basis per employee? Yeah, I'd say, and this is taking years to refine down to this number, but um, the last thing you want is something that you spent time demoing, talking to a salesperson, getting contracting done, rolling it out, communicating to all your people, and then it falls flat. That's the last thing you want. And the only way that this falls flat is if you don't fund it enough. That is literally the only way it's ever failed in the history of our company is, is somebody will go, well, I gave them 10 bucks up front and then nothing ever again. And it's like, well, I don't understand why the utilization is so low. And I'm like, well, what can they buy? <laughs> what are they going to buy with 10 bucks one time? Like, what do you mean the utilization? Of course, the utilization is low, right? So I think people sometimes get caught up in like, well, I want to roll out this cool piece of software, this beautiful piece of software. That's great. But if you don't have the budget to really commit something serious, then it it will fall flat, right? Um, in fact, I even think it could be offensive to your people, right? Like if you if you woke up, I'm not trying to assume everybody celebrates Christmas, but if you celebrated Christmas, you wake up Christmas morning, your stocking has just a ten dollar bill on the bottom, no presents, nothing else. You're like, what the heck is this? Like, it's you, you'd be better <laughs> off not putting anything in the stocking, right? Like, it's it's offensive, right? Um, and so, it, all that to say, what I would triangulate on is either twenty five bucks a month or three hundred dollars a year, which is the same thing. I would call that a baseline. If you're not doing at least that, because with that, oh well, that covers my Spotify. And that might cover like one other service, maybe like a coffee subscription or a whatever that I'm interested in. And so I feel like, oh, okay, like I've got these two services. My company covers them. They're taking care of me. If I left this job, I would lose those things, or at least I'd have to pay for them myself, right? Or my spouse really enjoys this thing that I get from Fringe, which is from my employer. And every time I get it, I remember that my company's paying for this. How cool is that, Right. Because the reason why we named the company Fringe is because fringe benefits for time out of mind have always been for the elite people in the company, right? The company jet, the company cars, the company expense account, those are the fringe benefits and therefore them, right? And we wanted to democratize that and have everybody feel that feeling of like, no, I'm, I'm important too. If I wasn't important, why would they be paying for my Spotify account? You know, like my company cares about me, right? It has a great feeling to it. Um, so I, I, I've sort of gotten off your question a little bit, but that's that's really the heart of, of why I think it's effective. Yeah, very cool. So as we wrap up, any final parting thoughts you want to leave our audience with? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't even think it's about fringe, honestly. I, I think it's more... Back what we first talked about with the challenges of HR professionals these days. And I, the encouragement that I would give is either either push until you get the respect that you deserve or go find a place to work where you're going to be given the respect and authority that you deserve. Like one or the other, right? <laughs> uh, I just met people just way too talented to be taking orders. And that's all they're doing, you know? 
Um, I, I just would love to see some of these really great people, smart people that care about the employees. They make great decisions. They've, you know, they, they've got a good instinct for all things people related and they, they spend way too much time, you know, pleasing some exec, some clueless executive. You know, <laughs> and I, I would love to see people, you know, in HR just kind of, you know, just kind of put their foot down and be like, you know what? Enough. Like culture is vital. Benefits are vital. What I'm doing is incredibly important and, and people need to see that. So I've just I've become kind of a little bit of like an advocate, a spokesperson, if you will, for people, people, HR people, because I'm just passionate about seeing that role be enhanced all the more and be seen as as important as it really is uh, so um I, I would just say i appreciate all of you listening in the hr space i think you're wonderful uh talented people who really get it in ways that most people in the company do not get it um and and i'm grateful that you exist <laughs> so. excellent so where can our listeners go to learn more about fringe yeah, um, I talk a little bit about Fringe on my podcast, which is called How People Work. Um, prior to that, I had a podcast called Ragworthy Culture. You could check that one out. Uh, they're, they're actually on the same feed now on Spotify or Apple under How People Work. That's a good place to go. Uh, fringe.us is our website. Um, and then of course, you can just follow us on LinkedIn, which is probably where we're the most active in terms of just putting out new content and talking about our company, talking about our product, um, either by following me or by following the Fringe account directly. All right. We'll be sure to put links into the description. Thank you, Jordan Peace, for joining me on the HR Tech Spotlight. Absolutely. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, for those listening, don't forget to check out Fringe's website at fringe.us and follow the podcast, reach out to them on LinkedIn, and be sure to join us again next time as we dig into another innovative HR technology company shaping the world of work. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Tech Spotlight Podcast, where we showcase some of the best up-and-coming HR technology options in the market. If you are an HR tech company leader who would like to be considered for a guest spot on this program, please contact me via growthmodemarketing.com or reach out to me, Deanna Shimoda, on LinkedIn. And if you found this show informative, subscribe, connect with us on social media, and leave a review. This is Deanna with Growth Mode Marketing signing off. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll tune in again next time. <laughs>